And so we're going to continue this new series that we started called Relationship Realities or Relational Realities. Great month for it, right? This is the month of Valentine's and and, you know, you might think we were talking about marriage and so on and so forth, but I'm sure there's some thoughts about marriage and things of that nature that will come forward. But really, I want to just talk to you about the idea of the relationships that God gives us and what the realities are in the context of those relationships and how they are given to us to help us. And so today I want to talk to you around the idea of sharpening your saw idea of sharpening your saw and here's the I'm going to tell you right up front here's the relational reality it's to become the person God wants us to become if we're to do that then we need to be in relationship with other believers we need to be in close proximity close relationship with other believers it is just the way it works so let's take our text this morning as we talk about sharpening your saw Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 we're reading in the NIV translation And then we're going to read it in the Amplified just to give a more uh, clear and expanded definition of the, or translation of the scripture. Here it is. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, NIV, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And then in Amplified, it says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens and influences another through discussion. I think that's very interesting. So the question I have for us this morning is what do we want for our spiritual life? Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for your word. And Lord, I'm just asking you to use your word to teach us this morning. And God, we invite your presence into this moment. We invite your presence into this time. Lord, we don't want to do anything without you. Lord, we we, we say like uh, Moses said, I don't even want to take one step into Canaan without your presence. I don't want to take one step forward in my life without your presence. So, Father, we just invite your presence into this moment, into this online campus. And we just ask you for every single person who's joining this morning, that, God, you'll touch their life and touch their family and bless their home in Jesus' name. And, God, help us to understand the need and the necessity that we have for one another. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. So what do you want for your spiritual life? Uh, You know, I think that it's very important that we get that understanding of what it means to be everything God wants us to be. You know, you need to understand that God created you with purpose. Every one of us he created with purpose. Not just some of us, not just a few of us. There's not just a few people that are born to be great. God created every single one of us with purpose. There's something he has intended for our lives. And when we're born into the world, we have the gifts and the abilities and the strengths and the talents and the personalities that have been invested in us by God for that purpose. Now, because we're born into sin and we're born into a a, a fallen world, there comes a point at the age of accountability where we have a decision to make, and hopefully we're in a position where someone has preached the gospel to us or witnessed to us or reached out to us or our family has led us there, and we make a decision to follow Christ. And when we do, when we ask Jesus to come into our lives, we commit our lives to follow him then what happens is there's this process called regeneration or this instantaneous thing that ha- called gen- regeneration. 
It's what Jesus described to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 as being born again. In other words, your spirit man comes alive and takes the lead in your life. And then we know that it's important not to just be saved or born again, but that to be sanctified. In other words, that's when God sets us apart and he begins a process in our life of spiritual growth, helping us to grow and to mature. It's like when you're born again, I love the words born again because it, it implies or infers that when you come into the kingdom, you're a baby. In other words, you're just born. So your spirit man is just born. It comes alive and it's excited and and, and fervent for the Lord and wants to do what's good and wants to do what's right. And it's an exciting thing. But then there needs to be some growth. You, gotta, you can't just be always be a baby. We can't always just keep being a baby. We have to grow and develop. You, you would think it awfully funny if not funny after a certain time. You'd think it awful obnoxious if your children just stop growing emotionally and relationally and in any other way or mentally. They just stayed a baby in their mind and in their heart and you had to take care of them for the rest of their life because they just didn't want to grow up. That, that, would, be, uh, that would be a hard thing to handle. And, and that's, not, that's, that's not what we're to do spiritually either. The Bible is very clear that our role is to grow. Our role in our relationship with God is to grow and to develop and to become everything that he intends for us to become. So the question then this morning is, do you want to just be a nominal Christian? Do you want to just be a Christian that's not discovering purpose, not going through that process of sanctification, being made holy to serve a holy God, uh, or do you just want to be average or mediocre spiritually or defeated spiritually, or do you want to be sharp? You know, I love this passage of Scripture where it talks about, uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 27, where it talks about iron sharpens iron. It's a very interesting process. You know, you could look at it this way. Um, you could look at it this way. God has, you know, the, the, I think the, the, the term or the, the title we used this morning was sharpening your saw or sharpening your axe. You know, every one of us have been given a saw. We've been given an axe. And, and what that is, it's, it's an assignment. Uh, we, we've been given an axe and we've given an assignment to use it, but it's up to us to sharpen it. See, I think sometimes we think that's all God's job. I think we think, well, I, God gave me a, 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 he made me, so that's the saw, it's in his hand, and he, and, he, and he gave me an assignment, a purpose in life, and so now, God, make sure it happens. And the truth is, it does, doesn't work that way. God requires our faith to be engaged so that we can become what we need to become. God's given you an ax, he's given you an assignment, but it's up to you to sharpen it. And I don't know what about you, but I don't want to be dull. I want to be sharp. There are many times that the children of Israel were spiritually dull when Jesus walked on the earth, and he, and he would say that to them. He would say, even to his own disciples, he would say, are you still so dull? In other words, your mind, your heart, your spirit is not sharp about these things. I don't want to be dull in life. I don't want to be uh, uh, average. I don't want to be mediocre, especially spiritually. I want to be as sharp as I can possibly be so that my life will fully complete the purpose and will of God that he has for me. I, I, I want to be sharp. I, I want the rough edges that keep me from being most effective removed from my life. But in order to have that, I need to realize that God 
has given me several gifts. Let's talk about these. Number one, he gave me an axe. So what is the axe? The saw. It's my life. It's my gifts, my strength, and most importantly, my relationship with him. This is something he's put in my hands. This is something he's given me to do. But I want, I want to just draw your attention to, to, for a moment. You know, when, when Moses said, how am I going to prove that I'm from you? And God asked him a very specific question. What do you have in your hand? You know, sometimes we're looking for some answer out there somewhere, and God's already put it in our hand. He's given us the axe. He's given us the talents, the gifts, the strength. Look at David. When he went up to Goliath, Saul tried to give him his armor. What did David say? I haven't tried this armor. It doesn't fit well. I haven't worked with it. But I know what I do have. I have my sling and some stones. Come on. Everybody must have been going, what? What? Take the spear. Take the sword. And David was like, nope. I know what I have. I've got something in my hand, and God's allowed me and gifted me to use it. I'm going to use that. We need to understand that most of the time, the development uh, that, that God wants to do in our life is going to be the developing of something he's already given us. So don't look at someone else's gifts and say, I want those. And don't look at some other situation and say, I wish it was more like that. But say, God, what saw, what axe have you put in my hand? And then, and then I'm going to be faithful to sharpen it. The second thing he's given us is an assignment. He's given us a purpose. He's given us his will for our life and our conformity to him. That is an opportunity and a privilege. It's not something we have to do or we do begrudgingly. It's something that God has given us the opportunity to do. I want you to think about that for a moment. Think about that. Think about God has given us the opportunity to serve and be conformed into his image, into his will, and to be the most, the fullest of who we could be. I mean, I love that. Passage of Scripture, John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life more abundant. The, the literal translation of that is he wants to give us life that's superior in quality and super abundant in quantity. God just wants to give you some really great life using the things that he's placed in your life. His purpose for us, his will for us. I don't, I don't want to be a person, and I'm not saying I've never been, and I'm not saying sometimes I'm still not. But the truth is, I don't want to be a person who wrestles with the will of God. I want to be a person who surrenders to the will of God. And I'm just going to tell you, surrender is not an easy thing, but it's the best thing. I can tell you there have been times I've struggled and I've wrestled and I've, I've tried to do things my way. And, and, and what I've learned is I can either try to control or I can surrender. And, and if I surrender, God always knows what's best and it always turns out best. Let me just give you the benefit of my over 30 years of experience of serving God this morning. Just surrender. Just give up on doing things your way. Just know that God has greater thoughts than your thoughts and his ways are greater than your ways. And whatever he leads you to do is going to be the best thing for you to do. And then the third thing is he's given us tools for development. And this is important, and a lot of times it's underestimated. Because sometimes we do not give acknowledgement to or realize what these tools for development are. Because they don't necessarily look like, feel like tools for development. The first tool for development God gives us, relationships. Relationships, friendships with other believers. This, this is the tool that God has decided to use to sharpen us. 
I mean, think about that for a minute. God has decided to use these tools to sharpen us. He put us on the team. I love Ephesians chapter 1 because there's three operative words in Ephesians chapter 1, and here's what they are. The Bible says God chose us, and it says he adopted us, and it says he accepted us in the beloved. So so here's what that means. It means he picked us out. You think you found God. God found you. Let's just be clear about it. The second thing is he said, I don't want to just choose you to be on my team or be in my organization. I want you to come into my family. So he makes it official and adopts you into the family. Signs the dotted line. And by the way, he signed it in his own blood. And then the next thing he does is he accepts you in the beloved. He places you. The Bible says God placed the isolated, the orphan, into family. We are spiritually orphaned until that moment that God places us into his family. And he places us into those family relationships, spiritual development relationships, for us to be sharpened, for us to be matured, for us to grow. You know, I have a knife set. And... uh, and, 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 you know, this is how ignorant I can be sometimes. I don't know if you realize, but I have a knife set. And, uh, and I had this knife set, and, 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 and I, I noticed that the knives begin to get dull, and their, their edge wasn't straight, and it was, it was hard to use them. And so I was just frustrated and frustrated. And so finally I just decided uh, a couple of Christmases ago, I bought Janae a whole bunch of stuff, but one of the things she wanted is a knife, new knife set, and so I, I bought that knife set for her. And, and when I was taking it out and putting it together, really nice one, I, I, I realized there was this pole type thing in there it had a handle and it was just like a long pole and what I didn't realize that was is a honing steel and I don't know if you know what that is but that's to help keep the edge on your knife it's to keep it straight now it doesn't it doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily sharpen your knife but it helps maintain the sharpness of your knife and 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 I didn't realize it and I said what is this (laughs) She said, I think that's what you use to help keep the edge on your knife. And I'm like, man, I didn't have to buy a new set of knives. I could have just gotten them, you know, sharpened. But one thing we need to realize is that the honing steel is not for sharpening, but it's for straightening. It it doesn't knock off any steel. But then you have a whetstone. Now, a whetstone, you have to first get it wet, and when you rub up against it, it takes the rough edges off. In other words, it actually takes steel off the knife to cause the rough edges and the jagged edges to be knocked off. It makes the knife better and sharper. Where you, this, the honing steel, what it does is it keeps the blade straight because it kind of gets curved and crooked and, and leans over in the edge. And, and it, that makes it hard to really get the effect of the sharpness. And so you have to have the honing steel, but you also have, you, you definitely need the whetstone. And what God has done is he's put relationships in our life. And some of these relationships are honing steel relationships. They're relationships that aren't as deep and aren't as, uh, uh, as intense. And, 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 but they are relationships that can help us stay aligned and help us to keep the sharpness in our life. But then God also places another level of relationship in our life which is more like a whetstone, which actually, like in the scripture of, of Proverbs 27, that, that iron sharpens iron. That, that rough, abrasive surface causes the rough edges and the jagged edges of our life to be straight again, to be sharpened again, to be knocked off. Different levels of relationship take you to different levels of development. 
You know what I think? I think sometimes we are afraid of certain relationships because we're not ready for that kind of development. It doesn't mean that every relationship you have is going to be a hard one or an intense one or that the whole role of that person in your life is to just keep knocking the rugged edges off of you. That's not what I'm saying. But you know what I believe? One of the reasons God gives us a spouse is because we need a whetstone in our life. Me and Pastor Scotty were talking the other day. It's like, I, I can't remember what he said. No, it was, it, was, it was Pastor Connor. He said, Connor said, well, God uses my wife to help me out many times to straighten me out. And, you know, I, I think that's true. I think God uses our wives and God uses our husbands because they're the closest and most intimate to us. And, and, and sometimes it's hard for us to listen to them, but we need to listen because what God is doing is he's rough, knocking those rough edges off. He gives us these relationships these different levels of relationships to make us better people. But sometimes it's hard for us to really let a relationship go where it needs to go because we really don't want the work of that development in our life. Because let's just be honest, it is work. If you want to be a sharp person, if you want to be a mature Christian, man, there is some energy involved. There's some work involved. There's some discipline involved. But I'm telling you, it's the only way to live. It's where fulfilling life is. It's where purpose is found. It's where destiny is, is arrived at. It's when we get to this place where we really understand, hey, God wants to do something great with my life, and he's given me these relationships to help me with that. I have a dog. Her name is Ruby. She's an amazing dog. She's an Irish doodle, which is a mix between a standard poodle, an F1, and an F1 Irish setter. And so she is just a brilliant, bright, fun-loving, happy, friendly dog. I mean, she, you, you almost can't make her mad. Like, I, I, I really never have seen her mad. It's, it's just like a crazy thing. But she'll be all up in your business, and she'll get all Like, literally last night, I'm sitting here studying, and I'm working on some different things, and she comes into my office, gets up, like her whole self, she's a 50-pound dog. And she literally put her whole self up in my lap. She wouldn't stop until I let her get all the way up. And then I petted her for a little bit, and then I let her down. Well, just recently, I've been thinking, well, man, I need to socialize Ruby because there's been a couple of times I've had her out for a walk. She saw another dog, and she got a little aggravated. And really, she was more aggravated at me holding her back. So I thought, man, I need to socialize her. I need to get around some animals. And uh, my daughter, Sydney, who lives in our home, she's 20. She's our youth pastor here. She, she uh, decided she wanted a dog. So we said, yeah, go for it. And so she got a little Pomeranian dog. And so this Pomeranian dog, he's a year older than Ruby, and he is small, significantly smaller than Ruby, yet he is scary to Ruby. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So, so literally the first time the dog came over, I mean, Ruby, Ruby wanted to smother this dog. Let me tell you, she was all over the top of Cam. That's his name, Cam. She, she was all over the top of him. I mean, just, just touching him and putting her paws on him. And I mean, we were sitting there in the living room and all of a sudden that dog lost his and barked and bit and went after Ruby. It scared the pants off that dog. I'm telling you, that dog was freaked out. And at first, here's what we did. We started, we started getting in between them and separating them. And then all of a sudden, I remembered somebody, something somebody told me, that when dogs are in the womb or when they are with their roommates, you don't want to buy a dog or get a dog 
too soon after it's been born because there's a socializing thing that happens with them and their their womb mates. And, and, and so what happens is if they bite too hard, another, another one of the dogs will bite them back, and it lets them know, hey, you bit too hard. Uh, and it's just this process that they go through. So here's what I decided. I decided, look, we're not splitting them up anymore. If Ruby gets on, on that dog and just and goes after him, I'm going to allow her, I mean, allow him to, to come back at her and see what happens. And, and I'll tell you the truth. They've stopped it. Now they're buddies, they're friends, because he's basically told her, you're, you're off sides. You've got to get on your own side. You've got to stay out of my place. I, he's socializing her by behavior. And so what we need to understand is sometimes we have relationships in our lives that can rub us the wrong way, that can, that can affect us in a way that we're like, hey, what was that? And sometimes it's God using someone else to bring us to a place of further development in our life. Different levels of relationship take us to different levels of development. You know, it's funny when sometimes when we get a certain type of relationship that it may just be a corrective relationship in our life. It's somebody who we really trust, we really have confidence in, and they will tell us the truth about things. And sometimes we'll have a relationship like that, and then we wanted to make we want to make that relationship our buddy-buddy relationship. But that relationship's not meant for that. Because if you try that, then you're going to get your feelings hurt all the time. And the truth is, we, we've got to learn how to manage our relationships in a way to where we ask God, God, what, what do you want this relationship to be for me? And how can it develop me and help me as I grow as a believer? So here's a question. Do we really need others in order to be the best God-inspired version of ourselves? Do we really need others in order to become the best us that God wants us to become? And there's only one answer to that. And it's unequivocally, yes. We absolutely need other believers in our life. I'm going to tell you something that might shock you. When I was first starting in ministry, I was told by, I can't even tell you how many people, don't become friends with people in your church. Don't become friends with people on your uh, elder team. Don't become friends with people in your church. Because... You'll get hurt, you'll get stabbed in the back, it'll be a betrayal, you'll get overly familiar. All of those things are a potential. Anytime you're in any relationship with any human being, every one of those things are potentially a problem. However, I couldn't get my mind around the idea of not being in a relational setting or a friendship setting with any of those people considering the fact that God tells us that relationship is so important. And so what I did is I began to study the word and I began to see that Jesus knew full well what Judas was going to do to him. Judah, uh, Jesus knew full well what Peter was going to do. Jesus knew full well how hard it was going to be to lead these guys and, and how many of those people who followed him in the most passionate moments of his ministry were going to literally reject him in later days in his ministry. He knew it, but watch what he did. He still got significantly close to them. He, he was so close to them that he, 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 he submitted himself as a servant and washed their feet at a, at a communion service. I mean, think about that for a minute. He was not afraid to go there even though he knew what the outcome was going to be in some of those relationships. Can I tell you, if he knew it and still did it, 
we should absolutely think, I'm not going to allow the potential for hurt, the potential for pain, the potential for difficulty to keep me from being in deep relationships with people that I know are in my life to make me more of the person that God wants me to be. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10, in the New International Version, if the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Here's how it reads in the Amplified. It's so good. If the axe is dull and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. But wisdom to sharpen the axe helps him succeed with less effort. And here's the bottom line to that. Life is much harder than it has to be when we don't take advantage of the gifts God has given us in the people of the church. When we don't take advantage of the relationships that God's put in our life, our spouses, our children, our, our brothers and sisters, if we don't take the, the, seriously the relationships that we have with our spiritual family, then what happens is, is we, life becomes much harder and much more difficult because that edge could be sharp, but instead it's dull simply because we're afraid to do the things necessary to sharpen it. I love what Mother Teresa said. I mean, it stirred me when I read this. She said, if we have no peace, it is because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. I think when we have that feeling of running from relationship, we need to stop ourselves and say, every wise person, every successful person, I mean, I'm talking about significant person that's spiritually successful, Every one of them do the exact opposite of what I'm feeling right now. And it's important for us to not run from relationship, but run to relationship. It's important not to go with technology that's trying to make us more and more disconnected and make sure that we're being more and more connected. It's important that we understand that these aren't just relationships for the social aspect of them, but they have a component of spiritual development. They are a tool in the hand of God to make us the very person that He intended us to be. You could look at it like this. Some of the relationships that are in your life right now, especially those that have been placed in your life by God, are literally God's hands and feet to you. Now think about that for a minute. Think about that. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 says, A friend loves at all time, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. In other words, there's a relationship that when you're going through ups and downs, there's a relationship there that's going to be with you, that's going to be there. They're not perfect. They don't have everything together, but they're going to be by your side. They're going to help you. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. In other words, that, that relationship of family in your life, when you get, face adversity, that's why they were put in your life to begin with. Think about that. God has a plan. He knows what he's doing. John chapter 15, verse 13, the NIV says this, greater love has no one than this to lay one's own life down for one's friends. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now what in the world does that mean? Well, if we read it in the Amplified, it says this, Better is an open reprimand of loving correction than love that is hidden. Faithful are the wounds of a friend who corrects out of love and concern, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful because they serve his hidden agenda. In other words, he's saying 
surround yourself with people who they're such a great friend to you, such a great relationship to you, that they will tell you what you need to hear instead of surrounding yourself with people who will tell you what you want to hear. Come on, people who just tell you what you want to hear are people who have an agenda. And you think that relationship is a good positive relationship, but it's not. It's an agenda-driven relationship where they're receiving something emotional from that by not being honest with you, not helping you grow, not edifying you, but just going down the tank with you. Come on, you need to think about this. Just because you have somebody going down with you doesn't mean you should be going down. Maybe you need to jettison that relationship and start going back up again. Relationship, friendship, fellowship. There's this word fellowship, koinonia. This word fellowship is not found in any other organism on the planet except the church of Jesus Christ. Koinonia, fellowship, it is that connection of people who are not biologically connected but are connected in a familial sort of way. In other words, we are spiritually connected. Our spiritual DNA has made us brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you are born again believer and you follow the word of God, you are a brother and sister to me. I am a brother to you. And that is the reality of this family of faith. That God has given us something that goes beyond friendship. He's given us something that even goes beyond biological family. He's given us something that is a spiritual connection. That can only be made by having a relationship with him. Do you really value the, 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 the church relationships, the, the, the family of faith relationships that you have at that level? Do we really understand that that's what they are, that that's how they work, that that's the purpose for them in our life? Boy, it takes it to a whole other level, doesn't it? When, when I realize that the people I'm surrounded with most, God has placed there to make my life better to help me become better, to help me grow, and to, to be affected and impacted by that. Uh, these relationships are such a blessing if we would just realize it. They're such a blessing. Every day I, I pray, when I pray, I pray for my wife. One of the things I do when I pray for my wife is I always thank God for her. Now, because I, I, I'm just going to tell you right now, I, I know for a fact, that Janae Gadbury was a blessing from God to me. There's no possible way we should have found each other. There's no possible way we should have gotten together. Everything should have taken us in different directions, but it didn't because God had a purpose and a plan for us. And I know God gave her to me as a blessing, so I thank God for her. And I'm going to tell you, the relationship I have with her is not just good in a sense that I have a good wife, but it's, it's a good in the sense of I have a good wife who does what a good wife does. And it's important that we understand that, that relationship for, from our spouse is not just to, so we can have a good spouse. It's not just to have a good life growing up, have a family, do our thing. No, it's about the, the benefit that comes with rubbing our life up against someone else's life. It does so much for us. It encourages us. It strengthens us. It empowers us. It challenges us. And it holds us accountable. Everybody was okay until I got to challenge, right? <laughs> We're good with encouragement. We're good with strength. We're good with empowered. But man, when you got to challenge and accountable, hold on a minute. Do we really want to allow relationships to go there? If you want to become the person that God created you to become, the person that God has called you to become, then you need to let it go there. Everything about 
that can be trusted. Think about this. Everything about those relationships or God's intention for those relationships can be trusted. Everything about that is good for us. This is why we are so passionate about small groups. It is so important to be in a small group. Because that is a place where you can be allowed, and it's what we're launching today, is our small groups. That's a, that's a place where you can be allowed to go there, to have relationships that literally elevate your life. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a beautiful thing that God does using others. Everything about that can be trusted. Whether we realize it or not, sometimes even whether we like it or not, the relational reality of believers is this. If we are to become the person God has created us and saved us to become, we need each other, period. We need believing relationships. We need the church. Listen to me. I'm going to say that again because I don't want you just to think it's okay to just have people in your life. Because all people that are in your life, even if they're good people, do not have the same effect as people who are believing people. It doesn't have, when I'm going through something hard, I don't want to just have a friend who says, you can make it. I want to have a friend that's saying, I am believing God. I'm setting my faith. I am walking through this with you. And I understand what's going on here. Right? That's a different level. It's a different type of thing. I remember one time I was, I was in a conflicted situation. And uh, I was very irritated with a group of people I was leading. And uh, this was years and years and years ago. Never, never used Summit Church. No, never. But, but where I was, I was very frustrated. And it was a, a, an intense time. And I had asked that something be done. And it wasn't done. It just wasn't done. They just didn't do what I asked them to do. And it was very important. It was a serious deal. There was a timeline on it. And I was very frustrated. And so I went to a friend of mine who was uh, a good friend and and uh, I just poured my heart out. I can't believe that they've left me hanging like this. I can't believe they'd be so irresponsible. And they, you know how many, you know how many things I've done for them. You know how much I've been there for them. You know what I've walked them through. And I'm starting to compare the things I've done for them with how they didn't do this for me. And so I was totally just venting. <laughs> you ever been there where you just you got somebody where you just go land on them and just. And it all comes out and you're just mad and frustrated and angry. And I was fully expecting my friend, literally, I was fully expecting him to go, man, you're right. I can't believe they would leave you hanging. And you have done so much for them and you have done so much good for them. They should never have left you hanging like that. And he, and here's what he said instead. He said this to my face. He said, you know, they are wrong for not doing what you ask them to do. But you're more wrong. Because you're acting as if you're in this relationship and the only reason you're doing things for them is because you have an expectation that they're going to do it back for you. And he said, that's not okay. That's bad leadership. And I'm telling you, when he said that, it was like, What? What? You were supposed to jump in with both feet and talk about how bad they are and join me in my anger and angst and frustration. Can I just tell you right now that a friend that will agree with you when you are wrong is not a good friend? I'm going to say it again. A friend will come into agreement with you when you're wrong is not a good friend. They're trying to placate you because they're gaining something 
off of that relationship. You need to have people in your life who'll say, yeah, that is bad they didn't do it, but you know what? You're acting like a, well, you're not acting well, right? I mean, come on. We need people in our life who encourage, who empower, who uplift, but at the same time who keep us accountable and bring us back to the surface and help us to understand, hey, you're not okay in this, and you need to watch out because you're going down a, a road here that's going to affect you and others and hurt you significantly. We need friends like that. You know, Barnabas and Paul, think about this. Paul would never have been become Paul if he didn't have Barnabas. We need to have people like Paul in our lives. We need the Pauls, the writers of the New Testament, the great evangelists. But I guarantee you, for every Paul, there are many more Barnabas. For every single Paul who does so many huge and magnanimous things that everyone sees and says is so notable, there are many more Barnabas, people who just were friends to those people, people who stood by them, people who held their hand through problems, people who encouraged them when they were struggling, people who got them accepted into the group when they weren't accepted by the group. Come on. This is what Barnabas did. This is what these relationships are for. And if you and I want to become everything God wants us to become, we better start taking advantage of these relationships. So I'm going to give you, in closing, three obstacles that stand in our way. The first obstacle that stands in our way from keeping us from uh, really uh, allowing the, this, relational shit, this, this relational reality to become a relationship a reality in our life. The, the, the thing we want to happen is we want to, to come to that realization that we need these relationships that God has provided for us in the church. If we can't come to that reality, we're going to lose this opportunity of what those relationships could mean to us. And so the first one is spiritual ignorance. Sometimes we're just ignorant. You and I know there's a difference between stupid and ignorant. Ignorant means I just don't know. Stupid means I know and I'm not doing it. I know it's right, I'm not doing it. I know what I should do, I'm not doing it. That's being stupid. But being ignorant means I just don't know. And sometimes spiritual ignorance is standing in our way. In other words, we're not realizing what an amazing blessing these relationships are. We're not realizing what an amazing blessing this relationship reality is. We're not realizing... And a lot of times we don't realize until it's too late and the relationship is gone. I've had relationships like that in my life where I didn't understand how powerful they were. I didn't understand what God was trying to do with that relationship in my life. And because of my own uh, inattention or because of my own ignorance, I let that relationship go. Or that person's no longer in my life. Or that person maybe even passed away. And while they were there, I didn't realize what they were offering me. How sad is it that we would allow spiritual ignorance 
to keep us from understanding. So I'm taking that away from all of us today. You no longer can be ignorant about the fact that God has given us the church, the body of Christ, this group of people that we are one with. He has given us this for the purpose of our edification, for the purpose of our growth, for the purpose of our maturity. So you cannot be ignorant about it anymore, and you must take advantage of it and not take it for granted. Number two is a lack of commitment. In other words, a lot of times we know we're not ignorant of it, but we're but because these relationships are close to us or because these relationships are always there, we don't put the commitment to those relationships in that we should. In other words, we don't put the time in. But you know, if you put the time in those relationships, you know what comes out of those relationships? Power. If you put time in, power comes out. You put time into those relationships, investing into those relationships, then when you need to withdraw something from that relationship, it will be a powerful moment in your life how your, these relationships will come through for you. You put the effort in. Sometimes we just don't put the effort in. We don't put the energy in. We assume everything is okay. But if you put the effort in, you know what comes out? Growth comes out. When you put the effort into those relationships that God has given you, He will bring growth in your own life out of you. And the third thing is if you put energy in, and many of us just don't, we just, I just don't have any energy. After I do all the things I do and after I'm responsible for all the things I'm responsible for, I just don't have energy to do that. I can't go the extra mile and be in those relationships. Well, the truth is, if you put energy in, what do you get out? You get energy out. These relationships will refresh you. They will restore you. They will revive you. That's what they're meant to do. What are we committed to? What? What we're committed to really reaps the most results. The question is, what is it? You know, uh, the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Uh, he, he was so devoted to Christ that he got up every day and he said, I, Lord, today I die today to myself and to my will and to my desires. And I follow your will and your desires. Every day he did that, the Bible says. And, and he crucified the flesh and the lust thereof. And he, he was crucified with Christ. He identified with the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. And he said, my life is not my own. I'm going to follow Christ. And then because of all that, he had the confidence to say to people he was leading, follow me as I follow Christ. Well, if we were to say that to someone and it was based on what we are totally committed to and what we're devoted to what would the blank there be if we were to say follow me as I follow blank what would be if it was contingent upon what we are most devoted to listen what we commit to and if we commit to our relationships what we commit to gives us the most results and if you if these relationship reality is that I need these people to help me to mature and grow then I need to be committed to those relationships remembering that becoming all that God wants of us happens in cooperation with the relationships he has placed in our lives we need to learn to take full advantage of God relationships but never take them for granted and if we have to move some non-God relationships out of the way in order to have more effective God relationships then that is exactly what we need to do Look at Elijah and Elisha. Elijah would not, Elisha would not be pushed away. Elijah said, don't follow me. You, uh, what do I have to you? And Elijah said, no, I'm going to see you when you go to heaven, and I'm going to take up your mantle, and I'm following you. He was committed to that relationship. He put effort into it. He put power into it. He put energy into it. And what did he get back? He got a double portion of what was on Elijah. These relationships are so important to us. Third, being easily offended is the third and last one. And I close. Being easily offended. Wow. I could preach a whole message on this. I'm not going to. But we live in a culture and a society now that is trying to get us all 
to be offended about everything. And the reason is, is not because it brings political power or political prowess. It's not about politics at all. I see beyond that. It's the devil trying to make everyone so sensitive that relationships will break down and everyone's offended at everyone so that there can be no unity, there can be no harmony, there can be no love. And if we have this mentality of being offended, listen, Jesus could have stopped ministry at any moment if he was doing it based on whether he'd been offended or not. Paul would have stopped doing ministry at any moment if he was basing it on being offended. Any major leaders doing anything that affects the history of the world could have just stopped if they were going to stop because they were offended. There's always opportunity to be offended, but you can't be offended unless you can be offended. And what I mean by that is that we have to make a decision that we're not offendable. We have to make a decision that in advance I'm going to forgive people. And I'm going to assume the best. What we're seeming to do and what's breaking down relational context, even in the church, is that we almost walk around expecting to be offended. We won't get into a depth of a relationship because we expect they're going to offend us. I got news for you. Any relationship you get in, you are going to be offended. It's going to happen. They're going to say something that wasn't nice or they're going to say something even unintentionally or do something unintentionally that's going to make you feel rejected or left out. And it's not because they tried to offend you, but it's because you expected to be offended, so you got offended. Come on, y'all. We've got to get over this so that we can have harmony and unity and love in our lives and understand that these relationships God has given us are for the purpose of our growth and our development and our love and His purpose in our lives. We expect offense. We overreact to offenses. Oh, my Lord. We overreact. We get our feelings hurt as if getting your feelings hurt is the worst thing that ever happened in the whole world. Come on. You could get your feelings hurt every every day if you wanted to. Let's be honest. You could get your feelings hurt every hour if you wanted to. Somebody's going to do something you disagree with or that touched you in a hurt place. That hurt. Everybody has that opportunity. But the but 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 are we gonna give up great relationships because we're easily offended? You say, but what they did was offensive. So what? You're gonna stop your eternally debt, your eternal destiny because you were offended? You're gonna stop the purpose of God in your life and the development of your maturity because you were offended? Choosing offense over a profitable relationship is the most unwise thing you could ever do. You know, me and Gary Henders, one of our elders, we, we're going to do a race, and I'll just be short with this. We're going to do a race uh, out in the canyon, and we did do it. And I didn't make it to the finish. He went all, I think, 14 or 15 miles I can't remember what it was I went 12.2 miles or something like that as far as I got before I before my body gave out on me but uh we, we fought for that and we practiced for that and we raced for that but there was a moment where 
Gary, he, his body wasn't doing the same thing as I was, and he's not carrying as much weight as I am, and he was just in his flow. And so every time we'd go down there, there would get to a point where I'd say, man, I'm, I'm at my end. And he'd say, man, come on, you can do it. And he would talk to me about how I could do it. But then once he encouraged me, he just kept running. He just ran off. Here I'd be, I'd be struggling. And, oh, oh, and I'd watch him just run off into the distance. <laughs> you know, here's the thing about that. A good relationship with you will encourage you and coach you but will not allow you to hold them back from their purpose and many times instead of looking at them in the distance and saying if they could do it I can do it what we do is I can't believe they left me I can't believe they let me I'm hurting here I can't get it done I'm trying so hard and they just kept running it didn't offend me at all it made me go oh man that guy's got He's got years on me. He's older than I am, and he is kicking my rear. I am going after him, and it just pushed me and pushed me until I really wasn't ready to do it, but I did it anyway, and why? Because he inspired me. And so many of the times, the most inspiring relationships we have, because they're these relationships of people moving forward, we allow ourselves to get offended, and we lose them. So I want to encourage you, the relationship reality for us today is, as followers of Christ, In order to become who God wants us to be and to fulfill His purpose and will for our lives, it requires the relationship and fellowship of other believers. And when we do this, this is what it looks like and what happens as a result. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is His body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts. Do you hear how he's writing this? Let us draw near to God with sincere hearts and with the full assurance that faith brings Uh, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed from with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and toward good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching in that passage of Scripture, it encapsulates the whole message that I just said, that if we want to grow, if we want to be strong, if we want to be mature in our faith, it is absolutely absolutely a relational reality that we need each other we need the relationships of other believers to become everything god wants us to become let's pray father we thank you for your word today we ask you to put it deep in our hearts i pray that every single person that belongs to summit church will find themselves in a small group that every one of our groups will be filled to capacity and that people will be building relationships faith relationships that will edify them strengthen them empower them keep them accountable and challenge their life to move forward father we just praise you in jesus name for the opportunity and privilege to be in your family and we give you glory In Jesus' name, amen.